0: Welcome to TLF Gems, a podcast about customer experience and insight from TLF Research. I'm Stephen Hampshire. And I'm Greg Roche. In this episode, we'll be talking about the seventh of
1: our top 10 traits for world-class customer experience. So number seven is aligning targets and bonuses to customer satisfaction to keep employees motivated and focused. And usually, at this point, if we're presenting this out, we ask for a show of hands in terms of whose organisation is bonused or on customer satisfaction. And Mine is. (laughs) (laughs) Ours indeed is. I think that would probably put us in the minority though, wouldn't it?
0: I think it slightly depends what you mean. I think it's quite common to have a sort of token gesture. I, th- I think what, what's relatively rare is it for it to be a significant factor in individual reward, um,
1: except perhaps at, a, at quite a senior level. Am I thinking of Enterprise Rent-A-Car, if I go back a bit here? You can think of Enterprise Rent-A-Car. <laughs> yeah, I think they were one of the first who really um, made a point when it came to promotion. It wasn't just about sales levels, it was about whether you were keeping customers mm-hmm. happy. Um, and I think there's quite a lot of um, symbolism or symbology um in the in, You in promised not that. to use that <laughs> anymore <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to find a way to angle it into all of the top ten <laughs> trades. Um, but they were one of the first that really recognised it as a significant amount um, of, of sort of people's of, of people's sort of income. Um, but as as Stephen says, we're we're bonused on it here um, at TLF Research. Um, and it's five hundred pounds a person, and um, one of the reasons, well, the reason we, we do it is A, we believe in this, and we know this is what the top organisations do. If you want to get your staff focused on something, you have to reward them on that on that something.
0: Yeah, and I think there's a sometimes a danger that this ends up sounding like we think people are really mercenary, and that they'll only do things that you pay them to do. And I don't really think it's about that. For me, it's about... Isn't that called work, You're going to work? Well... Yeah yeah but, but but to me what you're doing by that is is not in, it's not that the people don't want to do that and you're incentivizing them to do something they don't want to do what i think you're doing is showing what you think is important
1: yeah and i think sometimes even how this is positioned is important because we try and position it as a thank you to everyone that if we deliver high customer satisfaction we know that's going to be good for the company mm. And everyone who's been involved in that deserves a thank you. And, and, that's very much ta- and that's very much how it's positioned.
0: I think, and the other thing is that it, it's it's really important, I think, to, and we'll perhaps get into more detail in a second, but I think it's really important that, that when you do reward people based on customer satisfaction, it, it, it seemed to be fair and it seemed to be sort of controllable and about me. Um, and I think that one of the, the things that is... is difficult for a lot of organisations is to find a way of getting a measure that is sort of controllable
1: by Stephen and by Greg rather than by sort of all of us together. Yeah, but particularly where other people are involved in, mm. you know, in the process and that probably goes a little bit into some of the, the pitfalls. Um, we, we run a webinar on how to implement customer satisfaction related pay because when it works, it is really good. But as, as, as you're pointing out, Stephen, there is various pitfalls that need to be thought about um, beforehand because the point you're making is you want Stephen and Greg to behave in a way that's advantageous to the business, that's going to raise customer satisfaction, that's going to make the, the business more successful. Um, and bonus schemes are dangerous because they do affect people's behaviour. I mean, we only need to, to, to look back at some of the... Um, Bonuses that the bankers were receiving, you know, five or six years ago, um, and the legacy that 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 they've sort of left um, in terms of sort of people's accounts that wasn't driving the right behaviour. It was driving the wrong behaviour. So, one of the things that, that 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 we sometimes see in in customer satisfaction related bonuses um, is you can see. Employees, employees are pretty creative sometimes doing some um, gaming where perhaps they hide unhappy employees or I might put a wrong digit there so that person yeah. never gets called or never gets emailed um, certainly recently um, in a car buying experience um, I was told that if I would get a questionnaire and if a top box scored that's my language not theirs they would put petrol in the car for me Uh, (laughs) Um, yeah that could be called skewing the results uh, somewhat (laughs) so obviously you say you will and then you don't do it on purpose just to just to play the system rightly Um, yeah so you've got to make sure you have a scheme that is accurate like 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 data collection would be or should be
0: should be yeah and I think it is it is a difficult one. Those issues you've talked about in terms of cherry picking and kind of trying to to game the system—that certainly does go on. One of the things that always amuses me is that when you know when you get to you know sort of non-stealth IVR survey, which are you know famously prone to, to cherry picking. <laughs> employees are really bad at figuring out who's going to give them a good score <laughs> or a low score. Um, so it, it isn't always as effective as people think it is, but it's certainly not the kind of behaviour you want to be um, encouraging anyway. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, and I suppose then the other thing is what metric are you using to, measurement, to, to measure people against? Are you looking for a really high level measurement, whether it's going to be MPS score yeah. or, or customer effort ease of doing business or a customer satisfaction index and all the pros and cons that go with those different measurements? Or are you really getting it down to the Greg and Stephen mm-hmm. level where you've done all the analysis in the background that says, well, actually, Greg and Stephen, you doing your job really well to deliver high customer satisfaction is you do a first time call resolution. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing we're going to monitor. On, um, so the the the, there's different sort of pros and cons for ensuring you sort of. I think there's a a balance of those tends to work best, but
0: yeah, I think when you can, if you can build the right things into your internal quality monitoring, I think that's really helpful, um, particularly in a call center type environment. Mm. Again, you can end up monitoring the wrong things, and you know we can think of a a million examples. I'm sure of call center metrics that (laughs) have sent people down the (laughs) wrong avenue. uh, yeah, it's easier to think of ones that have done that than ones that have worked, really. But, <laughs> but I think if you get the balance right, if you, if you remember the customer score is ultimately what this is about, not some internal metric, getting that balance helps you to manage it, I think. Yeah. Um, whereas getting that actionable data at that level with the sample sizes you need for robust results, which is something we'll come back to in a second, and, and all of those sort of survey practicalities, it, it, sometimes it's
1: just easier to have an internal measure. So I suppose a couple of questions for you, you, you Stephen. Um, you know, we get paid five hundred pounds in, in Yorkshire. That's enough to, to buy three houses. Um, what amount would you say you know is is reasonable? And do you think the schemes that work best are those that everyone gets the same, or those where perhaps it's a percentage of salary?
0: Yeah. Um... The, the Weasley answer, which I'm going to give you to begin with, is it depends. Um, I, I think it, it does depend, though. I, th- I think <laughs> I think it sounds Weasley to it, me. It is. <laughs> you could you could picture, I think, a um, you know a quite significant chunk of bonus being dependent on uh, customer SAP for people who have a lot of control over it. So if, take us as an example. So the, the client manager, which is essentially an account management role they, in a way, they're almost like a little self-contained business. They're, they're nearly responsible. It's a like a franchise. Nearly, yeah, sort it? of, yeah. So they're responsible for an awful lot of how their clients feel. Uh, and I'm sure whenever there's an unhappy client, we'd all tell you that it's not our fault and we'll point fingers <laughs> at everyone else. But, but really, that should be up to us to, to settle. So you could say quite fairly that actually a significant chunk of the client manager reward should be potentially linked to client satisfaction. For everyone else in the business, I'm not sure that would be fair. Um, so it's not that they don't influence the customer. Of course they do. So you know, the researcher, people in field, designers, that they, all of those people have a, have a role, but it's not that they don't own it to such an extent. Oh. And, and I think, therefore, the sort of everyone gets the same we're all in it together message probably
1: works better for most of the business. Yeah, I think the chain is as strong as the weakest link is how we sort of position it but but positively we all have a part to play in this so let's all get an equal amount and that's the other thing it is equal across everyone it's not based on a percent of of salary which which seems much more sort of equitable in terms of how we're positioning it as a thank you but <coughs> other organizations do it um do it in 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 different ways um so thinking a little bit about like the measurement and the robustness of the measurement and the frequency of the measurement and the payment because in a sales environment you tend to get quite regular bonuses because it's linked to that event of doing a sale whereas this is a little bit well this is definitely a sort of a longer burn so how often do you think bonuses should be paid on customer Mm. satisfaction and then i think we should just talk a little bit about you know the reliability yeah. of, of, of the measurement.
0: Yeah, and I think um, there's a link between those, which we'll, we'll yeah. come on to in a second. At an extreme, you can look at, I mean, MBNA famously back in the sort of, um, that's probably back in the 80s really, or certainly into the 90s, were doing a daily bonus on customer satisfaction. I think they called it the, the, the customer test, something like that, but they had a daily score, and every day it was over a certain number all you know, all employees got a a small amount of money added to a pot basically um were, you know so for every day they were yeah. MNA was above the score the pot grew and when they weren't above the score the pot didn't grow so their their sort of end of year bonus um i think it got paid annually but but it was kind sort of accumulated right. today we were above it well, yesterday we missed it that, that sort of thing um, and in a very transactional sort of high volume kind of world like that that Potentially works. Um, although I would probably ask questions about the margin of error and things like that. On the other hand, for a business like us, where we do a customer satisfaction survey once a year, and realistically it'd be hard to see how you could do it more often than that, it's got to be annual, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you have a sliding scale there from daily to annual, <laughs> <laughs> which seems like quite a broad spectrum. Um, yeah, it's hard to give an answer to that that isn't. It depends, really.
1: Yeah, it's got to get the balance of is it driving a local action or rewarding a relationship, and and the frequency has to fit into to you know to, to making that that happen. And I think often in terms of rules for schemes, there's probably an awful lot of rules already in place for other bonus schemes that can be copied and. And pasted somewhat like what happens if people leave, what happens if you're on probation? Mm-hmm. You know, there are those sort of things which, like all, all bonus schemes, are just worth sorting out before you, you know, before you embark on this. I think the other there's probably two other things. Um, I mean, there's enough here to put people off, but I think we're trying to do the pitfalls <laughs> because it is such a good thing when it works. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's a really good way of getting some employees to start looking at statistics when you do a scheme like this, and getting some little stats experts coming along and sort of challenging, why are we doing it that? You know, what level of confidence? What level of margin error is it? Ninety-five percent? Can't we have it at ninety percent? And all those different things. How's best for organisations to to address that really? Well, I think, and the first thing is is to
0: be sort of statistically literate enough to understand what you're doing with it. Um, So it doesn't have to be everyone in the organization, but whoever is making the decision on this needs to understand concepts like confidence intervals, margins of error, and dot dot dot, um, at least to a level that that they can make a sensible decision on that. So I think you you, you have to think about every time you look at a survey score, there's a margin of error around it. Broadly speaking, the only thing you can do to improve that margin of error is have a larger sample size. Realistically, that's the, that's yeah, the, the right. main thing you can change. So, when you, if you look at that and you discover that well, Greg's got a score of eighty and Stephen's got a score of eighty-two, but actually the margin of error on both those scores is plus or minus five, so it doesn't it doesn't necessarily make any meaningful sense to say that one one is higher or lower what do we do about it? Well, we've got to find a way to increase the sample size. You can either do that by literally interviewing more customers or you have to start thinking about rolling scores across three months instead yeah. of looking at one month and so on and so forth. Um, so I think you just need to make sort of sensible, realistic decisions about what the data you have allow you to do. Um, and if it doesn't allow you to do what you want to do, what can you do to to, to get to
1: a place where it works? And that should really link in with your surveying um, frequency and methodology, anyway, does, because yeah. the, you, you you want that degree of confidence before you start changing the business. Let you know, not 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 just rewarding staff. I think the question I get asked most about about um, um, customer satisfaction related pay schemes is this idea of should you have an appeal process um, mm-hmm. in it. And on one level, we've talked um, we've talked before about you know perception is reality. If that's what a customer thinks. That's what a customer thinks. On another way, this is about motivating staff, and it can be very demotivating and seem really unfair if someone has scored Greg, but Greg never dealt with that person. It was Stephen, yeah, and yet the score is going against me. Mm-hmm. And yes, I understand perception is reality. But the customer's made an error here. How? What should be on that? I think it. it I think it's a good
0: idea to have a challenge process. Um, I think you know, particularly. Um, I think that comes up when you have a kind of, you know, first line contact who don't actually have the ability to resolve it, and it's getting resolved somewhere else in the business uh, or not, and they're held responsible for that, and that that, that I and mean, that isn't fair. And I do think it's right to have a, a challenge process. And situations like, you know, I, I've dealt with an inquiry for sort of two months and then Greg picks it up right at the end and, you know, I've been very severe. So those things should be challengeable, I think. Um, I think the other thing to think about is, you know, a customer satisfaction score, it's a perception. Perception is reality and, and all that, yeah. but perception isn't what happened, it, it's how they feel
1: about it. Well, I think one of the things we, we, we sometimes see where customers feel they haven't been updated and then someone goes and say, hey, look, I have, you know, because I sent them this email, this email, this email, I've called them on that date. They're wrong to say they didn't receive any updating. But that is one where I really don't... Well, perception is reality. Obviously, your updating hasn't registered with the customer as being updating.
0: I think I'd say that was fair. Yeah, yeah that that is... We're not actually... One of the things that sometimes comes up on an event-driven survey is, let's say it's a complaint handling survey, did you have a named contact? Yeah, and that's one of the places you're into. Well, I definitely told them my name, and the customer doesn't know. And, and and I think it's fair to say under those circumstances, actually, your job is to get the customer to hear your name. Yes, uh, which is yeah. a slightly different thing.
1: At, at, uh, yeah, it's about you know making sure the customer's received it, not just you've transmitted it. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So I think you know there the are places where perception is reality. Is you can stand by and say, "Yep, the scores the score. That's how it is." I think there are other times where, when when a challenge process is sensible, um, and you should have that. I think it's also worth thinking about how this links in with the metric you choose. So, you, and you touched on this a little bit before, but if, for example, you're wedded to Net Promoter Score...
1: This can be dangerous with customer satisfaction-related pay because oh. of the... I think that question is is,
0: it's difficult because you know, a percentage of customers will answer it the way you sort of want them to, which is basically as a satisfaction score. But there's a percentage of customers that will say... Yeah, it was great. I had a brilliant uh, conversation with Greg. He couldn't have done more for me, but I don't recommend, (laughs) so 7 out of
1: 10. Um, Mm -hmm. And that is a challenge, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think the schemes which I've seen work best do have a challenge process in it, but a very simple and controlled challenge process. Mm -hmm. It has to be something that's factually wrong, like they are calling Greg, you know, referring to Greg as a she rather than a he. Yeah. Um, the challenge has to be done within two weeks or four weeks. You can't wait till it gets towards the end of the year and you're going, Oh, I'm gonna miss my bonus now, I'm gonna come back with a load of dated challenges. It has to be done in in the spirit and, and a few simple rules can, can sort of help, help sort of ensure that it's fair, it's still motivating, but it, it, it's providing and rewarding the right behaviours. So we've probably spent a little bit of time going through the pitfalls of that. I think partly because we feel so strongly it's a good thing. Yeah. Why do you think it's a good thing, Stephen? I, th- I think it, it really is, more than anything else, it, it's,
0: it's about the message it sends that this is something that, that we, the organisation and you know, senior people in the business, really do care about. I think it offsets, if you go back maybe 20 years ago, you often have this problem where, you know, there's a poster on the wall saying customers come first, customer is king, and you're getting a bonus on sales. And that just doesn't add up. So there's a, there's a really good, um, there's a guy who, who writes and, and talks really well about culture, a guy called Steve Simpson. Mm. And he has this concept of unwritten ground rules or UGRs. And What I really like about that is it gets to this truth that the, the people within businesses are very good at figuring out what you're really saying to them, not what the piece yeah. of paper on the wall says. And I think that's a good example where, okay, well, how do I figure out what they really want? Well, they're bonusing that, so that suggests what they really want is lots of sales. And I'm sure they want me to look after the customers if it doesn't cost anything, but... Sales come first. Yeah. And you know, similarly, if all the conversations we have within the business are about cost-cutting and efficiency, am I supposed to spend money making a customer happy or am I supposed to defend cost? Well, I suspect the unwritten ground rule here is defend, defend, defend as much, unless you can't possibly you know, stick to your guns any longer and then begrudgingly will hand over some money to the customer.
1: I like that, unwritten ground rules. That's, that's a good way of thinking about people, and, and you do see that, you know, you, 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 you do see that, and that's where it really comes down, I think, to, to number one, senior management commitment, leadership, um, and, and things from that, um, things from that point of view. I think the other thing as well is, is where there's a little bit of, I don't think "conflicts" exactly, the, the right word, but unquestionably, having great customer satisfaction leads to um, better business performance and reward, profitability surplus, in the medium term. Mm. And businesses get that, and we can prove that through models and, and 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 things that we've done. But it's the medium term, and people don't want to wait to the medium term to be bonused. The business is happy to take perhaps a more of a medium term view, but people you know want a you know want something that reflects the behaviour you know last month, last year from you know from that point of view. I do think one of the most Inspired bits of leadership that I saw was was with a, a, a very successful company based in in Manchester that I won't name, but they set their directors' bonuses on a five-year customer satisfaction target, which I thought was really great because it sort of took on board that you know it's not about getting to this place next year or the year after. We're on a journey here. This is where we want to get to, and you know to get that you've got to be around with us for this for this journey and I thought that was a very I'm sure it let them communicate the message in a very passionate way and a very convincing way um to to show that it is about the medium the medium mm. term I thought that was I thought that was pretty cool I thought it was pretty good
0: yeah that that sounds very good I think yeah it, it is a crucial thing to to sort of wrap your head around the fact that this is a medium to long term kind of strategic mm. choice not a short-term one, uh, and that can be can be difficult for people. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think if you can anchor it in the, the immediate short-term tackled, tactical decisions that your people are making today, um, that's that's really what we're trying to do with this. And mm-hmm. it is, was, I, th- I think you put it very well there. Actually, that you know the, the the medium-term financial success of the business is based on the short-term decisions you're making today. Yeah. Can we join those together somehow? You know? Yeah, and I think fundamentally, if this really matters
1: it should be balanced.
0: Absolutely. Okay, so I think that, that probably wraps up uh, targeting and reward based on customer satisfaction. Uh, thanks very much for listening. If you're using iTunes, please subscribe, rate and review us. Uh, and if you want to get in touch, you can find us on Twitter at TLF Research or at tlfresearch.com. And
1: we'll be back next month to look at the number eight of the top ten world class traits This time, it's again about paying people for delivering customer satisfaction, but this time it's ensuring that external and internal suppliers have bonuses and payments linked linked to that. So thanks very much for listening, and we'll be back in a month's time to help you turn your customer insights into impact and into action. Thank you very much.